Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Beat. And a first for us today as we're coming to you live. Well, kind of, I suppose. Is it live? If you, Well, we're live for the first time ever, our 88th episode. And the first time we've ever been able to do it in person. So I'm joined in the Sainsbury's car park by Art de Rocher of The Athletic, Football London's Kai Kanak and Simon Collings of The Evening Standard ahead of the trip to Bournemouth on Saturday evening. A nice narrative, Simon, to begin with, in the sense that we've got Mikel Arteta going back to the site of his first game. What can you remember from then? I oh, know you can't remember the score because we just asked you. But And also, how much do you think Arteta has changed since, since those formative days as, as Arsenal head coach as he was then? Yeah, well, we were chatting before the press conference, weren't we, just now about what the eleven was that day and trying to remember everyone who was in it. And uh, I think we did fairly well, actually, but the, the team is completely different. And I think Arteta's really different. Um, I think he saw it a bit in the documentary where Edu and sort of Steve Brown were talking about him as a man-manager and his sort of connections with the squad. And I think at the start, he probably lacked that man-management skill. I think it's fair to say, I think tactically and as a coach, everyone knew he was great. And I think Guardiola has spoken about that. But I think as a person and as a man-manager, I think he's changed a lot. And that, for me, I think is the biggest difference. And he talks a lot about unity and all this sort of stuff. But I think the real unity is with him and the squad, which probably wasn't there at the start. And probably part of the reason a lot of them are gone I asked him in the press conference if this is now a Mikel Arteta team rather than that first game Kai and he gave a bit of a PT answer he said that was a Mikel Arteta team too it obviously wasn't but what, what are the differences really that we see from an, on Arteta team of these days to one that he inherited from that, that mess of the end of Emery and, and the little Jungberg run that we saw it clearly wasn't an Arteta team because he then left two of the players from that first eleven out of the next squad for the Premier League. So um, the differences are it's a very clear, defined style of play, whereas in that sort of first game, we didn't really know what to expect from Arteta because obviously it's his first ever game as a manager. Now we know quite clearly what Arsenal are going to do from week to week. We know when they turn up, how they're going to play, and that's quite big. And you can tell by the way they've invested in players that they have a clear tactical plan in mind when they go into games, which is massively different from those first games where... They were sort of flipping between back four, back three. Do they try and defend? Do they try and attack? Sort of where they were on the pitch, they were way too far back and then they were too far forward. And just all the things that were an issue under the Unai Emery era, Arteta inherited and it took him a while to to get over those. But now you see this Arsenal team that looks so confident and so fluid in attack and you can, you can definitely tell the difference for sure. Granit Xhaka and Bukayo Saka are probably the only two from that team that we'll see on Saturday. Obviously, Reese Nelson played, he's injured. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is off on loan. Oh, in terms of Bukayo Saka, we were talking about it earlier. Just he's, he's still playing well this season, but it's kind of going under the radar slightly, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's as much of a need to rely on him as there was last year. I know, say, if we rewind even to Arteta's first season, there was a really big reliance on Kieran Tierney on that left. And that kind of was eased last year, I think. Now with Gabriel Jesus coming in and how he combines with Martinelli and even Zinchenko on that left side you're not really seeing as big a need for Saka to pull Arsenal through games but he's still having an impact I feel even though uh, it may not be as evident as it was last year if you think to the Palace game that we were talking about where it was a bit tricky in the second half um, and he's the one who just wins the game basically for Arsenal puts it out of sight for Crystal Palace um, and I think even though he won't have probably the, the limelight maybe as much he'll still 
be someone who's a key key part to the side because he is one of Arsenal's best players. I think that's an important thing as well. We, we forget he's, he's still quite a young guy, don't we? Like he, he shouldn't be the focal point of a, of a team that's got these ambitions, really. There should be that team that Arteta's arguably now built around him. So that's quite interesting. In terms of teams, Simon, I know your piece today was about any potential changes at Bournemouth. I know we spoke about it on the last pod and the, and the horses for courses theme. So what do, you, what do you think you'll see from Arteta on Saturday? Does he stick with the winning formula or will, or will he tweak it? I mean, I think he will be very tempted to stick with a winning team um, simply because it's served so well but I, I sort of made the argument today that if you're playing Bournemouth who are pretty good from set pieces they've obviously got Kiefer Moore up top who is you know a huge aerial threat and the, the prospect for me I think would be would be really justified to take out Ben White and play Tommy Asu there's not many six foot two right backs in the Premier League and also to play Tierney who I think as good as Inchenko is I still think Tierney is a better defender particularly one on one and I would argue if you're going down there, you want to stop crosses getting in the box. And if they do, you want to have your big men there. So I would swap the fullbacks out for it. Whether he does that or not, we'll have to see. I know the, the term Spurs is thrown around a lot. I think on this podcast in the past, we, we say peak Arsenal is usually what we say. Kai, would it, would it be peak Arsenal to having had the start they've had to go to Bournemouth and not win tomorrow? And what do you think they need to do to make sure, not necessarily complacency, but just that they stick on the guns that, where they've been firing so far this season? Yeah, it would be peak, peak Arsenal to, to go and lose. I was trying to think of a higher peak than peak and then I struggled there. But yeah, to go and lose to Bournemouth at this stage of the season, um, having impressed so much in their first two games would be... Uh, yeah, awful for Arsenal, especially given the positivity and the momentum that they're building up, and also the ease of the fixtures, you know, the relative ease of the fixtures they have after this. This is a good chance for them to build some momentum, to get some points on the board, and we don't really know how the World Cup's going to impact things going forward in the season. So if you get points on the board in the first half of the campaign, then obviously I think that's going to be an advantage because who knows how tired players will be in the second half, uh, who knows how many injuries and stuff will get picked up, that kind of thing. But um, in terms of what Arsenal need to do, it's kind of just keep doing what they've been doing, just that, that versatility and attack, um, keep moving the Bournemouth defence around. They want to sit deep and uh, defend against the big teams, which is what we saw them do against Man City. I know they like to play football a bit more than your average sort of lower half team, but if Arsenal keep doing what they've been doing in attack, they, they should come for it OK. And if they keep applying that intensity that I think has been led by Gabriel Jesus in particular, then they'll have no problem coming away with three points. We talk about consistency and it's a strange thing to talk about after just two games, but there are already only two teams in that league with a 100% record. Oh, when you look at Liverpool struggling, Manchester United obviously completely in the doldrums at the moment, but even also Chelsea and Tottenham drawing on Sunday, it is important that even at this stage of the season that you pick up points in those games where you're expected to win, isn't it? I think over, well, probably the first 10 years at the Emirates, I know me personally, I, I took points for granted because it almost seemed like that top four spot was guaranteed. I think the past few years and last year especially just kind of hammered down how important three points actually are because when you look at the first three games of last season Arsenal, if Arsenal win one of those games, they're in the Champions League. Um, so even if it is early doors, drop points elsewhere can be crucial and I think um, to the point of consistency that you made, obviously Arsenal did their, I guess, key business, you'd call it, quite early. And you saw Gabriel Jesus was available from the first um, public game of pre-season, obviously not behind closed doors game against Ipswich. But 
he played in every pre-season game in Germany and the States and obviously the Emirates Cup in England and then hit the ground running. So I think they've kind of got a good um, stride that they've hit and um, also to the point of the horses for courses kind of approach to lineups. I think they've got really good options across the pitch, not just that fullback as Simon mentioned, but when you look at how they can... Uh, use Smith Rowe or, or Martinelli in the wide areas, or uh, Fabio Vieira centrally or on the right. I think uh, they've got really good options across the board. So that's El Nene. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> Big Mo, your guy. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll see him next month when the Europa League <laughs> kicks off. Just going to say, we're talking about the sort of the value of points and you know starting fast. I think this season more than ever with the unknown of the World Cup and you know, no, none of the clubs know what the players are going to be like after playing a major tournament in the middle of the season. You know, you could easily come back and players are emotionally, mentally fatigued. So I think the value of getting as many points on the board as you can before the players go away is huge this summer. And I think that's part of the reason why Arsenal have been so determined to start fast. Yes, the fixtures are good, but could easily come back in January, you know, and these players are knackered and it's about hanging on. And if you've got a bank of points to rely on, it's going to make a huge difference. I think Art's got a point as well, isn't it? We, we talk a lot about, especially at the bottom of the table, towards the end of the season, you get these six-pointers. But three points now is just as vital as three points the last game of the season, in a way, isn't it? Like, what, Why does it make a difference? Just because it doesn't necessarily swing the balance of what, where you are then. You look at, and we talked about the documentary, there's obviously the one that focuses on those three defeats. Is it the Brighton, Southampton, Palace, isn't it? You think, and you were saying, if you win one of those games, all of a sudden it's it's top four, isn't it? So these kind of games and Fulham next week and things like that, they do carry that that need of of just winning the games and getting the points on the board. Someone else who played in that game at Bournemouth, Arteta's first game, was Aaron Ramsdale. Was in goal for Bournemouth that day. That was a good guest Guna, but we'd already ruined it earlier on having a conversation about it. Um, has he struggled this season? Is that, is, that a, is that a bit of a myth? Should he have done better with the Madison goal? And is there a bit of a worry now that there isn't a legitimate number two pushing him, do you think? I, I think last season, in the second half of the campaign, his form definitely dipped. There's, there's, everyone would, would agree on that. And going back to the documentary, we saw how much that affected him in terms of his confidence. The Liverpool mistake in particular really stuck with him. But um, since he's come back for pre-season, his passing's been a lot more confident. I remember in that Newcastle game, Last season, final away game of the season, where obviously top four became impossible. His passing was very conservative. He looked very nervous on the ball, but he seems to have re-established his confidence and found himself again in that front. So I don't have any issues from that front. And, you know, when it comes to Aaron Ramsdale, that's kind of what he's in the team for. Obviously, making saves is the primary part of his job. But the reason he's he's beaten off competition from Bern Leno is because he's so good with his feet. And I think he's been fantastic from that point of view and Mikel Arteta will be happy with that. As for the saves, um, you know, he's made fantastic saves. Made a good save against Leicester, actually, from Fofana early doors. Um, the two against Palace, which obviously won the game. And the mistake for the Madison goal was disappointing. I would classify it as a mistake. I know some people have said it's not because it's sort of difficult when it goes straight through your legs. But I think those kind of things, you know, they might happen. And we've seen that he does struggle with near post shots. And he's only 24, which for a goalkeeper is very young. So... That's something he'll work on with his game as it improves. And I wouldn't say there's any need for sort of panic stations over Aaron Ramsdale. Obviously, Matt Turner isn't as good as Bern Leno. I don't think that's too controversial a statement to make. So that will be an interesting thing to see how he manages that without the sort of the obvious competition from within the club. But 
I think he'll keep his own standards high and um, I think they'll be keen to sort of make sure he's, his confidence stays high as well. Not sure how he would cope without uh, Alex Ronison pressuring him for the first choice play. I also think, I feel sorry for his dad if his passing is going to keep getting like that. I think he's a bit of a confidence player as well, isn't he? He reminds me a bit of a Jordan Pickford. I know there's that obvious comparison to make with Pickford with them being these England goalkeepers and arguably vying for the, for the number one shirt at the World Cup. But I think Pickford's a, a very much a confidence player as well. So that, that is quite an interesting take for a goalkeeper to, to be focused on... on um, on that kind of confidence rather than just, you know, just, just getting in there and doing your job. Oh, in terms of, for you, this weekend, as we've asked Simon, does the team stay the same for you? Do, are there any changes? Do you, do you have to change at this stage of the season, given that it's once a week and you, everyone should be fresh? I don't think I'd change anything necessarily. I think I'd go probably unchanged again, but I'd probably like to see changes in terms of substitutions a bit earlier. Obviously, uh, with the Palace game, I don't think he made them until like 80 minutes in. A bit earlier against Leicester, but um, yeah, I'd like to see probably Smith Rowe and Vieira get a bit of uh, game time after their um, minutes for the under 21s in the week. Um, they played 45 minutes, the pair of them, and they actually combined really well. Um, so Smith Rowe is playing on the right of a midfield three, Vieira on the right wing. More as a wide playmaker than say an actual winger like Saka is um, but really nice one-two touch passes uh, if Smithrow ran in behind Vieira was there to chip it over the top for him they have kind of qualities that are not too similar to so that they're almost running over the top of each other but they complement each other quite well um, and I know Mikel Arteta said that's a relationship they kind of want to grow so I think give them maybe half an hour and see how it goes um, if obviously the state of the game is in the right place um, and then you can kind of go from there I think um, but from the start I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see the same team maybe Tommy Asu in for Ben White um, because I think over the course of the season he's going to be probably the first choice and you'd want to get him um, into a rhythm fairly soon I reckon. Confidence, again, we've come back to it, Simon. William Saliba, he exudes it, doesn't he? So that own goal, the fans got behind him everything, so there's no concerns in that area, I don't think, is there? I don't think so, and I actually do think the fan reception was quite a big, was a big, big moment. And it, we saw it last season, though. I think I remember that game, I think it was the Wolves match, and was it Ben White and Ramsdale had a bit of a mix-up and Wolves scored, and you thought for a minute going, oh, you know, what's the atmosphere going to be like? But it's, it is incredibly positive within the squad and within the fans as well. And I think Saliba, you know, you talk about changes to defence, he's probably the one player I think I would just leave in there. I think when he's developing as he is and playing as well as he is, I think you just let him go and keep giving him a run until, you know, until you feel you need to give him a rest and take him out. I don't feel any need to, to take him out of the zone, particularly after he's had a mistake like that. I'm not sure sends the best message to him if he scores an own goal and you drop him the week after. So I think he's one I would just leave in. I want to talk about Fantasy Premier League, boys. <laughs> Mainly because I've just checked the league and I'm eighth in the Arsenal beat Fantasy League. I'm beating Art by one point. <laughs> um, Arsenal players this weekend. Kai, do you play? I do, yeah. Any Arsenal players? Gabriel Jesus, of course. I captained him last weekend, actually, so I was very happy with that. I'm glad you're not in the league. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, Gabriel Jesus is an obvious choice. Uh, Martinelli keeps scoring, so get him in your team. 
Uh, beyond that, I think Arsenal will probably keep a clean sheet. So maybe someone like a Saliba wouldn't be the worst person. But I have Saliba in my team and he scored an own goal and he got minus one point last week. So what do I know? I bought in Darwin Nunes. So <laughs> Are you were shaking your head there, Art? Yeah, we've, been, we've been arguing about this for probably a week, um, about whether Saliba or Gabriel is the one to pick in defence. I side with Gabriel just because he scored five goals last year, which was more than any other centre-back in the league. So... Um, He's kind of got a track record there for him. And if he's on the pitch at the same time as Saliba, they're both getting a clean sheet. So I, I feel like uh, Gabriel is the one to go for rather than Saliba, just because of the goal threat, basically. That's saying he doesn't rate Saliba right there. Just on the <laughs> yeah. Remember that. I've gone for, I've got Zinchenko, who obviously got 12 points in the opening game and then very much nothing last weekend. I've also got Martinelli and Jesus, but I've gone against the grain and Captain Martinelli this weekend just to be different and probably lose points. But... Simon, what Arsenal players have you got? Uh, I've got Gabriel Jesus, like everyone. Uh, Bakai Saka, who I went for over Martinelli because I think he's on penalties. Just felt like you know this would be a big season for him. And I've actually added a third this week, which is Granite Xhaka, who I think is owned by probably about 0.5%. And I think what people say on Twitter is that people are sleeping on him. <laughs> and um, on him, that was on him. I think they are because for me he's basically sort of Gundogan 2.0 um, and against Leicester I just I've fully fallen into his and Arteta's comments about you know the freedom he's got on the pitch and what we've seen ourselves the argument that I'll probably realise and see is that the data sample is very small and teams will not be as generous as Leicester were with giving Granit Xhaka in the box but I've taken a punt I had to sell Leon Bailey Xhaka was the same price if he gets a red card against Bournemouth this weekend Everyone can blame me. Two point one percent of people have picked him, so I reckon a few people have bought him in this this week. I also think that's mad that Gabriel Jesus has been selected by seventy nine point two percent of everyone playing the game. In terms of just that recency bias, <laughs> <laughs> how much is El Nene? How does your? So that game against Leicester was the first time Xhaka had scored and assisted in the same game for Arsenal in about six years. So you got him in a week late, is what you're trying to say. He was ne he's never had this position. He's never had the licence to be... He's been a caged lion just waiting <laughs> to get out, and now he's free. We're seeing the results, what it is. Seems like a perfect place to end. Thank you guys for joining me live, kind of, on the Arsenal beat. And we'll be back on Monday to evaluate, hopefully, a nice trip down to the south coast. If you're going down, enjoy it. Try to see Art on the train. What, what time are you leaving in the morning? <laughs> um, I'll probably be on the train in around 12 o'clock, maybe. Well, that's not actually that bad. I'm getting a lift with Sam Dean, friend of the pod, who is the most conservative man in the world. So we're leaving his house in southwest London at 12.30 for a 5.30 kickoff. So we'll beat the traffic, I think. Anyway, cheers, everyone, and stay safe.